0: Someone asked the question recently, can you react to healthy foods? And the short answer is yes, absolutely. A while back, I took helping people overcome food reactions off of my main marketing messaging, not because I don't do it, but because it's kind of a mouthful and it's like a whole can of worms. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that can of worms. Often, reacting to healthy foods is related to gut imbalances. Now, Let's get a visual. I've been telling people, this is kind of how I like to view it or look at it. You've got two hands, like put both hands out there. So you've got two hands or two buckets. There's two types of Food issues people can have. One hand or one bucket is food reactions, and the other hand or other bucket is food digestion problems. And I'll relate those. In the food reaction hand, you have allergies, intolerances, and sensitivities. Now, allergies are what we recognize unanimously, conventionally, functionally, integratively. Everyone knows what an allergy is, right? We often associate them with anaphylaxis. tongue swelling, et cetera. But it can be it can be as light as watery eyes, sneezing, itchy nose, et cetera. It can be things like that, as we think about with seasonal type allergies. Now allergies are considered IGE or immunoglobulin E reactions. Intolerance, kind of like lactose intolerance, is sort of really <laughs> it's really actually a food digestion issue. Um, but people think about it as a food reaction. And I think sometimes people use the word I have had more than one man tell me that he is lactose intolerant, and I'm like, yeah, I think there's more to it than just that. But anyway, and then there's sensitivities, and sensitivities is something that we do not agree on unanimously. Convention, like we do not agree overarching in in the world about. However, if you're scrolling social media, you'll see advertisements for food sensitivity tests, and even those of us like myself who will occasionally use sensitivity testing and I'll get to it and the purpose and the point and why I would do that in a moment, but it even irritates people like us because it's charading like an allergy. And so people get the idea that they look at that test and it's, (laughs) could be things that they eat all the time, which I'll talk about why that would happen, but also they're treating it like an allergy. And that is my pet peeve. You do not treat a sensitivity like an allergy you are not going to make anything better, okay? So that's the hand or the bucket of food reactions. And let's talk about food digestion in the other hand or the other bucket. So in the food digestion bucket, you probably don't necessarily know, the majority of people don't know that they struggle with this. But if you burp after you eat sometimes, maybe you're not digesting protein very well. It's kind of like backfluxing a little bit. But basically, undigested food particles, microorganisms, etc. um your body is supposed to metabolize or digest proteins, fats and carbs, right? So them not getting digested well because Enzymes will, like the level of enzymes, will get kind of mucked up when there's gut imbalances going on. So, basically, gut imbalances throw a wrench in normal enzymatic processes. I don't care which enzymatic process it is, whether it's digesting the fats, proteins, carbs, or uh, breaking down other things that most people don't know a lot about, which are like histamines, for example. I work with that and practice like crazy. So, You want to be able to digest, you know, these, we want to be able to process these neurotransmitters, process all of these things, including foods. And when you have gut imbalances, overgrowth of bacteria, fungi, et cetera, it will create a problem in the enzyme chain that digests things. Now you may not totally see it in your stool, right? Like We eat and then we see it on the other end, and you don't see everything that's good. There's like a long, there's a lot of stuff going on in between there that you don't always see. So, when we have undigested food particles, I want you to think about your gut lining. It's got a bunch of doors, tight gap junctions in the doors. And in the gut lining, there's all these finger-like projections. So you got your hands in front of you anyway. So you got these little finger-like projections and you put the butt those hands up next to each other. And if, if those doors are shut well, then these undigested food particles don't get in. So that's like nylons, right? Nylons are semi-permeable. But if you have fishnet tights, those doors are more open. So undigested food particles go through the gaps. And when they cross that barrier, that tight gap junction barrier, they cross that lining, it sort of sends some alarms to essentially the immune system. And what happens on the other side is that you have like all these inflammatory mediators or inflammation in an acute sense is protective. You know, when you stub a toe, like stuff's going to go there and be like, hey, let's go like help this recover. So in the short term, it's going to be protective. But this is like now a structural problem, you have holes in the fence. Or open doors. And so it's a structural problem. And so until you correct that, um, it's not an acute problem, right? So like you eat all day and it becomes a chronic problem. And now you have chronic inflammation, which feels like fatigue, maybe just like holding onto water weight, just like feeling blah and crappy. That's how I feel anyway, when I'm inflamed. So we have undigested food particles, crossing the doors or the membranes. So it's going through fishnet tights instead of nylons. You will create inflammatory responses from the immune system, because the immune system is supposed to like process vitamin B and C and manganese and all these micronutrients. And when you've got these undigested food particles, it's like, I do not understand part of this apple. I do not recognize this avocado you are eating every day, but you eat it every single day. So then you it crosses the lining, these undigested food particles cross the lining every single day. And on the other side, Over time, it just continues to throw inflammatory reactions at it. I call these Nerf bullets. And I've talked about this on another podcast as well, um, which you can listen to and get kind of a different angle of it. But basically, the immune system is going to shoot these Nerf guns at these foods. And so those bullets might be labeled IgM, IgG, T cells, all these different inflammatory cytokines or messengers. And so there's a compilation of Nerf bullets, all different colors. And for example, that one test that you keep seeing when you're scrolling on Instagram or Facebook is just IgG. And so it's just one color of Nerf bullets. So it's not the full situation. But why don't we turn the gut lining from nylons back into I'm sorry, from fishnet tights back into nylons, right? That would be nice because then you wouldn't have undigested food particles crossing the membrane. What if you improved digestion of the food in the first place? This is like a huge deal. (laughs) Top three, top three. You have to improve digestion. So at the root of this, there's a lot of little things we could do, right? Like you can go Google how to fix gut permeability because now there's like thousands and thousands of articles on PubMed, which is our research repository on gut permeability or leaky gut. And we recognize this. Your doctor might even know about this, right? Like it's been in research long enough, it's mainstream. And it takes 17 years for something from, to go from research to kind of mainstream. And so we know this is a thing, but we're missing another part. So one of the reasons you have this permeability, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of lifestyle reasons, a lot of stress, etc. cetera. Um, and then also gut imbalances. Now, unfortunately, I always say gut, this will be another whole topic for another day, but gut imbalances aren't as sexy because they don't really fit into like a one-liner. And so it's these bacteria, fungal, et cetera, overgrowth that create problems in the enzyme chains or reactions. So until you fix the gut imbalances, you will continue to relapse, even if you are taking things that will heal your gut. That is my opinion. You may get some like relief after a couple of months from taking things that heal your gut. And so that's a good thing, but it is my opinion from experience that you need to fix those gut imbalances and that they can be rampant and that they run in your family. So can you respond to healthy foods? I went off on my tangents. So. Is this a permanent problem? I would like to think that it's not permanent. There are some people that respond better to addressing food reactions and food sensitivities than others. But is it due to just reducing inflammation overall, or a reduction in? So when we're when I'm doing an anti-inflammatory food protocol, I'm pretty much like doing something kind of dramatic. I'm just cleaning up everything. We're doing a whole food diet. So I think the people who respond best to a food sensitivity protocol are those that maybe have tried to do something whole food and they've had improvements, but not like all the way. So they think there must be some unaddressed things. For example, I have a woman who has a pretty unfortunate, um, unlucky autoimmune condition right now. And she's got a lot of the basis. It's like very highly involved medically. Um, She's getting lab testing done a couple times a month, et cetera. And so because it's essentially an inflammatory condition, we chose to do this anti-inflammatory protocol. Symptoms just got reduced, I think like 70% in a couple of weeks. That kind of stuff is kind of fun and addicting, but I usually go forward and still work on gut stuff. I do. I always do. I never used two years ago, but now I've learned. I go through and fix gut things anyway. So in her case, this is just the one I'm thinking of recently. She was really reacting to cauliflower and avocado and they weren't necessarily things that, and time will tell, we're not, we're not to where we've like brought that back yet, which is always the goal to not be reacting to food things long-term. And I think I've gotten some other question. I know I've gotten some other questions recently about how long does it take to see something start to work? I think you should start to see improvements in two weeks. If you're not, you should probably reconsider what you're doing because you don't need to be hanging out on a um, in uh elimination world. It's good to like clean up and eat a whole food diet, but restrictions are problem. We'll talk about in a minute. And then takes six weeks for the immune system to calm down. So, and then there's things. Um, so anyway, is it do do people get better because of the inflammatory markers, like all of those nerve bullets that are being shot. And so we've taken that away because we're doing the lowest inflammatory things at first, or is it a reduction in all the extra stuff that's in our food? That's not always in the ingredient label, right? Making us eat whole food. And I think it can be a combination of both. So More often, I get a lot more traction from gut testing to resolve food issues, but it depends on the pattern. If someone is reacting to a certain set of foods, which I know when people just tell me, like if it's oxalates or it's histamines or it's carbs or it's proteins and fats, I know it's an issue with digestion and gut imbalances because I know how those mechanisms work and I know what's going wrong. But it's so fun when people get a a lot of symptom reduction out of their anti-inflammatory food process or food journey um, that that should have some gut issues and they do according to their test results, but they see the biggest changes in symptoms when doing an anti-inflammatory food protocol. So usually I, i I, I course correct for this situation. When I talk to someone in an intercall call and make the best recommendation for their particular profile. So I would say also that autoimmune conditions respond more to food than some other people. Irritable bowel disease responds um, pretty well to food also. And in summary, I wouldn't stop at food for most people. I mean, I used to do that. Um, And if doing stuff with diet is helpful, yay. It is foundational. It literally feeds the microbiome. But if doing something with diet leads to more restriction and you continue to start to react to too many things, you're not addressing the root cause and please get help. I talked to someone this week who said, I think I know just enough to be dangerous and I would say that that was the truth for her. If you're restricting healthy foods and reacting, there are broken mechanisms that should normally work on digesting and processing that particular food in the majority of cases. And restricting is going to make things worse long term if it's extremely extreme. Now, if you're doing a whole food diet and it's full of colors and variety, that's not restriction but restricting down to a limited, limited, limited number of foods and restricting entire food groups can make things worse long-term because you perpetuate nutrient deficiencies, which basically feels like breaking out slowly. And you tend to get eventually sometimes a little bit helpless and kind of like desperate and it sucks. And it makes you more stressed out, which perpetuates things too. So there's a lot of power in the power of food, but our goal is to tolerate the broadest range of foods possible and enjoy it. So depending on what you're reacting to, um, you may get most help from addressing gut imbalances, but sometimes doing a really good food protocol is appropriate. But I think the majority of information out there on Google and beyond is food protocol. So we've seen a big influx in people doing diet changes over the last maybe 10 to 15 years, which is awesome. But I want you to know that there can be more. In episode 26 of the Less Stress Life podcast, listen to this before you do any food sensitivity testing. I go over pros and cons and who might benefit more from that testing. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love, love, love for you to leave a review. All you have to do is go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed and reviews are like gold for podcasters. Now, lastly, since I was talking a little bit about stress and whatnot, one of the things I just feel really passionate about this year is helping people have good resilience so when you have high stress not only is your gut compromised but your adrenals or your stress glands or organs are really compromised and so this Friday we're starting the resilience reset and that's all about the goal here is to wake up with energy again it's really four steps to nourishing your adrenals for sustainable energy to promote productivity and hormone harmony we're going to cover the best dial diet for your adrenals and how you should eat for best mood and energy, how to help your adrenals run on all cylinders, even during the stressful seasons of life, instead of slowly fading in fatigue into apathy, giving you exact protocols for that, and how to evaluate stress hormone levels with or without testing and get supplement protocols to implement for your current needs, if that's the right fit for you, or put them in your back pocket for when you do need them, and then understand what's going on with all your hormones from your sex drive to heavy periods to no periods to hot flashes. This is really for savvy women that want to take care of their stress hormones before they get totally burned out. I applaud you. Tired moms and high-performance women that want to wake up with energy again, and health professionals that just want to swipe my protocols and assessments for adrenal cases they're working with and apply them to their own clients. So I would be so honored to see you there. And it starts this Friday, and you can get to that by going to kristabigler.com forward slash links. Of course, all of this will be in the show notes and peace and love. We'll talk to you guys later.